show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams every day. And to buy magic seeds to grow the mother of all tomato gardens. Mm-hmm. We are talking about that ghost writing gig Ugh. or the business of making breakfast. Mm-hmm. I think I want to do that. And also the old celebrity memoir situation. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And I'm Jason Bieber. And on this episode, we are talking to the dynamic and award-winning author of The Center of Everything, The Widow Nash, and The Four Jewels Clement Blue Deer Mysteries, to name just a few. But perhaps even more impressive is her long storied history as a side hustler, which she sent to us in a mini memoir before recording this episode. And it was so good. It was really good. I want to submit it. Totally thorough. We can just read (laughs) that on, you know, on the air right now. And you, she can, she can just sit and relax and listen to her life story spill out before her. I'm really excited. Um, So without further ado, we are so dang excited to talk to her about as many of them as we can, seriously. So without further ado, please welcome to the show, my new spirit animal, Jamie Harrison. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for having me. We're so excited. Thank you for joining us. It's fine with me if you just read the bio and then I'll sort of get a little nervous (laughs) and hide my face. Yeah. Things I've done to make a living while writing. You guys, there's, but we should just, before we get into it, into it, I just want to preface this with some of the jobs that Jamie has done besides being an author is being an author for other people and like doing a lot of writing in her career. So, when we say it was like a mini memoir, it's really that good. Like she was just like, you know, probably listing things off and didn't realize like how talented she is when I'm like, oh, this is beautifully written. Yeah. This is a wonderful passage she oh, gave yeah, us. That. People take <laughs> note. There's storytelling <laughs> happening in, 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 in the minutiae. Yeah, it's really great. I worked for some interesting people. That's all. And we're going to talk yeah. about it. We can't name names, but we're going to talk about some of these interesting things because then they've done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've definitely uh, had my share of dynamic personalities that I've had to support um, while trying to become my own dynamic personality in the background. Yeah, yeah. So um, I want to jump right in. There's this thing that's happening in uh, Jamie's memoir, which is just her bio, um, of jobs that she's side hustled. Um, One thing that she points out often this was a low point. This was the lowest of the low points. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> and then really <laughs> reads like a short story collection and the lowest of the low. And sometimes I got to tell you, these are jobs that um, I agree with you. I've done some of these jobs and it feels like a real low point, but some people <laughs> sort of feel like that's their high. They end up staying at that point and that we're going to get into it. Um, one thing is, and I don't mean that negatively. I just mean like, you know, ghostwriting. Let's talk about ghostwriting for a second because I don't think people know. People always just assume ghostwriting is one thing. It's like, you know, celebrity hires you to ghostwrite their story, blah, 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 blah. But there's a, there, we're going to talk about it. You've written a lot of, you've done a lot of ghostwriting. Let's talk about ghostwriting. Well, for one thing, we have to always call it editing or helping, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. exactly that was my next oh. point like listen um okay i can say this on the show nobody's you're not going to say it i'm going to say it ghostwriting is 
you're actually being paid to write the book and somebody else is taking credit for your work. It can be that. It can be an in-between. I mean, some of it, I, I remember thinking some of the people I did this for were convinced that they were wonderful writers. And so yeah. then it's a very careful dance around convincing them that everything is their idea. Wow. Mm. You know, it's just, I'm just rephrasing you just this little bit. Yeah. Or this is really everything that you said. I just put things in a different order. Or yeah. it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And it's a sort of a seduction. It's trying to get the best out of them. It, it's also trying to not to want to kill them right often you know it's hard it's really hard and it's harder if you secretly want to write yourself or not so secretly and you're convinced that you can do a better job of it so how did you how did you get into ghostwriting or editing I you know I don't really remember how I got that one job with the famous comics wife why she yeah. hired me it might have been I was writing the Dina DeLuca, first Dina DeLuca catalog. Wow. Somehow I got into it. I don't know. I um, tried writing a. Seems like a pretty natural progression. I know. I know some people. You're in cookie straight into. I love right. the way I... you described the salami. <laughs> I've got a job for you. In <laughs> hindsight, I think somebody else was trying to get out of the job. That first uh -huh. job. I think that there was uh, the, uh, one of this woman's neighbors desperately wanted to not work with her had met me knew I'd been working on the side and sort of scrambling and sent me in there to the lion's den this um, was a difficult person I worked for in my early 20s he had been married to a famous comedian she wanted to write about her life with the famous comedian and the day I got there the day after her brother had committed autoerotic suicide. Jesus. She was a mess, understandably a mess. Yeah. But the first thing I remember is she laid out some lines on the table next to her manuscript and said, make it all better. And so we went from there. She, right, well, did you, did she you start? Did you start with that? <laughs> well, I did the lines. Did the lines. Yeah, that, of course, that made everything better. <laughs> Holy uh, crap. Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> and it just went from there. And it really only lasted a few months. And she, we got a few, we got a few chapters in. I mean, I think you could write a whole movie that is just this part of your life, like just the the relationship in this. It story. could be a play. It could be a play wow. because we were locked into this place together, except for the trips to Bellevue. Wow. You know. Did you uh, go with her? Did well, you? That could all be done with lighting. That <laughs> change. Well, you know, part of the thing is when you're going through something like that, you think, shit, I'm going to Bellevue. You know, what is going to happen? What will yeah. I see? Yeah. And in fact, you see a lot. It's 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 a, it's a scary place. So um, you did go visit her when she was in Bellevue. I got her admitted and I picked her up another time. Unfortunately, went there other times with other friends. But um, I lived in New York for about five years. Yeah. And I lived on the Lower East Side. So Lower East Side. I was just going to ask. You end up in Bellevue. I don't know what to wow. say. I, I grew up in New York and uh, managed to never actually stop in at Bellevue. So feeling feel, feeling pretty good about that. Good. good um, on good. the other hand, I didn't have a, a four-month cocaine bender that uh, did not produce a memoir. So do you think she's, she's still off? writing it? She's still writing it. Oh, I was going to say, so. I, yeah. I didn't look it up, but I was going to say, did it ever... Um, For the listener, by the way, we are very purposefully dancing around the name because we yes to. so it's it's never come out 
I don't think so. I haven't checked in a few years. I mean, as I said, she scares me. Right. Still. So oh, it's been a while. You send her to spam? Have you blocked her email? I can imagine her showing. <laughs> hey, remember think... when we worked on chapter seven and you like I can you help me finesse this? Line? Now you know why I use that email. No. <laughs> Anyway, there is an aspect of this. Where were we? <laughs> there's an aspect of this story that before we move on from it, I just want to know about the very sad German shepherd. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was so sad. I would, uh, I would, um, she would, <laughs> she would get on the phone and talk to people and I'd say, I'm just going to take a break and walk whatever the dog's name was. I don't remember. And we would walk around the block and I would cry and the dog would be happy and then we'd go back upstairs and. Go back to work. Crying, you'd be happy. Yeah. <laughs> Vice versa. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird duplex in Midtown. It was just, it was like a bad dream. Um, and understandably, sometimes after periods like that, you think, did that really happen? And it really happened. Occasionally, I'd ask friends. So cooking after that seemed like a sane, you know. Well, yeah. Great, great profession. Magazines, you know. Other yeah. Things. Did you get paid like weekly or daily? I mean, what was your, how were you, do you remember how you oh, were gee, paid? She'd write me every, a check every week. Oh, okay, good. She'd offer me more, you know, sometimes. And it was about four months. Okay, good. She wasn't stupid. She just was a mess. Yeah. Um, kind of manipulative. Yeah. He was crazy. And maybe you could say all comics are crazy, but he was exceptionally so. And yeah. given to near suicide things. Um, different kinds of abuse and yeah and she thought he was gonna kill her he might have tried to it just went on and on and on so I was happy when that was done oh, how's yeah. that but it would make a good play and I should probably go back to it sometime if it keeps me giving me nightmares anyway yeah no yeah. for real I mean just hearing it just reading it in what you wrote to us I was I was so intrigued and not because of the name of the comic or anything like that but okay. just the the and again for our listeners the name we're dancing around is about as big and famous as a, a comic as one could imagine right but it's it and it wasn't the name but it was just you know i could i i felt the ptsd in your paragraph and i was like oh we need to get this in front of a camera or on a stage would be wonderful um i'm here for it i'm here to support that i'm, I'm here for whatever well. you need i'm here for it because it's uh but one of the, therapist first. One of the wonderful therapist. ideas about your show is that I hadn't really thought about all of this at one time. So when I was writing all this down, I went, geez, you know, <laughs> what did I have in mind? I know. I just kept thinking I should try new things. I you know. Just, no, you just the same. through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's cleansing to, to yeah. rummage through the, uh, the old junk box of things we've done in the past and, and figure out how we got to where we are now. At least I hope it is. <laughs> right. Well, so, so moving through the junk box onto the, the next thing, it sounds like the next thing you did was cooking. You uh, left her. And you I kept going left... back and forth. The time, all the time I was working for her, I was also working at Dean DeLuca. Okay, that's what I was going to yeah. ask. Okay, yeah. so I was going back and forth. Stuff. I worked at the, uh, I worked in the pastry department. Um, I went mm. out on caterings, and eventually, um, I we moved to the shipping department. We just they decided they do catalogs. They do a catalog. They do mm -hmm. delivery, and they were really the first place to start doing that. Um, and so it was uh, me and a friend and 
four guys in a shipping department once wow. again with a lot of cocaine because this was the era. Yeah. Um, I think you guys did so my dad's the, funeral. Really? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I hope I wasn't mostly, you know, most of the catering, um, they were like the big Lincoln Center thing, 2,000 people, and yeah. it would be a 24 hour, you know, mess and yeah. end up um, early or very, very late at night on the Lower West Side back when there were true gay bars on the Lower West Side. It was, it was at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic, really. Wow. So it was sort of a different era. I yeah. moved to New York uh, the September the New York Times first uh, used the term AIDS. Wow. And Dina DeLuca was mostly gay. And uh, yeah, a lot of people I knew mm. died. But nobody knew that really then, and we all had fun. <laughs> so I don't know. It was an interesting era. Yeah, most people are still calling it cancer. You know, it was just, time, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you lasted five years, which I think is healthy for a Michigan person moving to New York. Although I have a lot of Michigan friends that are still in New York, but most of them peter out to the suburbs. If I had had a lease in a garden apartment in Brooklyn, I probably would have stayed. I was finally making money by the time I left. I oh. was working um, then for, I worked for, actually for Michael Douglas, um, <laughs> who had a, did I not put, <laughs> who had a, um, mm -hmm. who was working on Wall Street, a production company. Working in the movie Wall Street or he was working on He was Wall working in the movie Wall Street, but okay. I was helping with scripts. He had several employees and he had something called Mercury Douglas and he was trying to develop movies. He produced, you know, always oh. too. I mean, yeah. from Cuckoo's Nest on, so. Yeah. That was, was probably the last year I was there. That's cool. Was that, um, yeah. Okay. So it was actually remarkably slow paced after being a magazines. Yeah. You know, it's slow. It's frustrating. Um, yeah. Nothing, you know, for long periods of time gets done. Well, also so, in magazines, you weren't just working at a magazine. You were bouncing around from, you know. I worked out. Yeah, well, I worked for a um, editor who was a freelancer who worked for a number of places. Um, that was back when Vanity Fair was starting again, and he was trying to get writers in, and that was really bouncing. Um, worked for the New York Times, and he just, I, I did a lot of strange things for him. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about those things. <laughs> Well, no, it's just like you just send you. I had to do uh, one thing with something on, on Heisman Trophy. Suddenly I'm writing stuff on Heisman Trophy winners. Do I know anything about football? No. I went out of my way at the University of Michigan to never really pay attention to football. Yeah. It, you can do it if you really try. Um, so I worked for this guy. Eventually I got a job at, um, got hired by Rolling Stone, but it was right when they bought Us Magazine, and I was shifted over to Us Magazine with that editor. And it, that was a sort of wild time because it was a startup, so I got to review movies. You just, everything was wow. new. You know, you come yeah. up with a page. It was one of the people who came up with a page called Loose Talk. That was kind of fun. I was sent out as a party reporter. I was horrible at it, horrible at it. I just... What makes one horrible at reporting on parties? Is it because you had too much fun? An inability to go up to somebody and ask them a rude question. Okay, uh, let's talk about that. Yeah. Because I'm, okay, so 
I was doing some um, writing for radio and uh, I was horrible at it. Um, well, depend on this one part of it where I was just supposed to like be really invested. I was supposed to watch the award shows like the, the um, VMAs and the MTV mm -hmm. Music Awards and, and the AMTs, CMTs, all the Grammys. Right. I watch them and I'm supposed to write about them. And, and I'm just, I would be, I was like, I have streaming. I don't have regular television. So uh -huh. can, when, what, what am I supposed to watch? And they're like, well, you have to find a way to watch it. And then we need, you know, 500 words, you know, for the next day. And I, I was terrible at it. I, this is not yeah. a writing job. This is a, somebody who's really into pop culture job. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I didn't mind. I mean, I did a lot of like starlet interviews. Um, and I, I, male female starlet you know just i would send i don't know charlie sheen for instance Ooh. back to the wall street era very difficult person to interview if you're wearing a short skirt um, <laughs> <laughs> um but but the thing was about the parties is you had to walk up to somebody obvious celebrities are at a party um yeah. and they're there to be interviewed yeah. But I just could not bear, I didn't mind seeing them one-on-one, -on -one, but I really couldn't bear going up and asking a question at a party. It just killed me over and over. And so they'd sort of put me in a back room and I wrote captions for a while. But, uh, you know, I didn't, it just was mindless. It wasn't, you know, it was a, it was a living and it was a good living. But there was, yeah. there was one party where you were actually, you, you pretended to be a waitress does that mean you weren't I invited was, or I um there was a big engagement sort of a high profile family it doesn't really matter this was I think this is fine um it was Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver's engagement wow. and I knew that's big well somebody from um <laughs> Dina DeLuca was working at the restaurant that was giving it and somehow people at the magazine found that out and they sent two of us in to work the party wow. as waitresses. And so we did, but while we were doing it, um, so we had a room full of people. It was a big party. It was downtown. It was- um, Driver's we part of the Kennedy royalty. Yeah. Right. We were supposed to call call it in to the paparazzi when pe when the thing was done. This was the thing I really dreaded. It's one thing to report on what's being said and this and that, if you want to call it reporting. I mean, the whole thing was sleazy, but He's anyway, dropping. there I was, there I was being a waitress and um, one of the guests suddenly shrieked out, Jamie, what are you doing here? And I knew her well, and she was a friend of Arnold Schwarzenegger's and I said, I'm just working. <laughs> um, and then I went downstairs and peeled beets for the rest of the night until the end of the night when I came up and got a drink at the bar. I ordered a Calvados. And the guy next to me said, what is the difference between Calvados and Armagnac? And it was JFK Jr. <gasps> and he really wanted this. As you said, with your blood-stained hand, your oh, beet stained yes, hands. Yes, literally blood-stained hands. <laughs> looking at him thinking, I am so sorry. I am the lowest of the low. I am a complete shit. But I gave him a good explanation for Armagnac, Cognac, you know, Calvados. Uh, he bought me another drink. I got out of there before the photographers came and I just felt like a shit. That, by the way, is like, you know, the ultimate Cinderella moment. 
you know, the, yeah, the, well, the, he's, the, the yeah. prince of the Kennedy family. He's an innately flirt, or was an innately flirtatious guy. I mean, he was oh, very yeah. good looking and he was very nice. He was so nice. It was, yeah, I really felt awful. But, okay, okay. <laughs> but the thing is, you feel awful, you felt awful, but at the same time, that's just Michigan guilt. I mean, I don't think people is really it? take into consideration <laughs> how deeply rooted Michigan guilt is. I mean, we say sorry more than most Midwesterners. We're like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm oh, so sorry. We feel terrible I think about- you're right. I think you're right. This That's one here true. apologizes for deep breaths. Yeah. I'm like, oh, is that too I loud? I do too. I'm so sorry. Okay. Did, so, I, did huh. I take more than my share of the oxygen in the room? My bad. <laughs> and when you're in your 20s and you're starting out, it's like, I would apologize to people like- Oh, I'm so sorry. I just went to Michigan State. You know, like, like I would apologize for the for going to college at the wrong place if they went if I met them and they went to like UCLA. I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I went to Michigan State. Michigan guilt, especially in your 20s, is so pervasive. You move to a big city, you do what you have to do to make money to live there on your own, paying your bills, trying to pursue your career as a writer. And you apologize for it, no matter what you do. You're not smart enough at a job. You're not, which is bullshit. I'm just saying you just always feel like you have to apologize or be guilty, like you've done something wrong. And really, it's like, or like in in the in the course of doing your job, you are you feel bad for invading other people, which what you were doing was was actually invasive. Well, I mean, well, the party reporting, I shouldn't have had to apologize for. No. I believe that what I did in terms of selling out an engagement party was worth apologizing for. <laughs> well, was, I, mean, I felt, you know, literally bloodstained hands. Yeah. Beat the <laughs> but I, I believe <laughs> there were probably guests there doing the same thing. If there had been um, right. cell phones, people would have right. been posting that crap on Instagram before they even right. showed up. So, right. oh, yeah. Right, do, you, right. do, you, do you think Arnold didn't want you there? Yeah. <laughs> Did, do you think Arnold didn't want the No, press I know. There? I know. But yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. It's good. It's good because yeah. you know what? I think, honestly, I think that our guilt and in, in our, our Michigan rootedness makes us better writers because we have more empathy for our characters and we write better characters and and better comedy too. And probably. better comedy. Yeah. Yes, so right. much better comedy. That girl with the beet colored hands just exactly. sort of thinking, God, he really is good looking. Yeah. yeah. I hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have another drink. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> I love it. Look at all these like hot men she ran into in New York. God, I never ran into that many hot guys in Hollywood starting out. You might have, but I think you were keeping your head down. I was. You just mm-hmm. run into more people in New York. You, you know, if you, well. if you hang around restaurants, they're there. Yeah. If you work for magazines, they're there. If you walk mm-hmm. out your front door, they are there. They are. It's true. Shocking, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, sorry. I lost my place. That's okay. <laughs> I, <you> know, <laughs> I'm so into the story and the fact that she also met Charlie Sheen and that wasn't in here and oh, Michael it, Douglas, no, which no. wasn't in yeah, here. There's and a I'm lot of... Like, oh I did a lot of... No, there were... You, you know, you... I don't know who I, I, there were many, they sent me out for a number of small celebrity interviews. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, William Hurt back then. I don't know. There were a ton of people. Did, did you Early think that Julia you, Roberts, you know, Bridget Fonda, a lot of people. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you think that you um, were going to be a reporter and not a novel writer? 
I wanted to be a serious journalist. That was the problem. Got it. I always wow. wanted to do something other than what I was doing. This yeah. is my problem. I Scruples. wanted to write. All I wanted to, no, away. it's not scruple. <laughs> it's being a dilettante, you know? <laughs> um, I know? Fair enough. Fair enough. I wanted to write scripts. I wanted to write novels. I, you know. Yeah. So all, wanted, all of these jobs we're talking about, you were doing all of these things to support yourself so that you could write, so that you could, you know, create your fiction or your, not even necessarily fiction, but to do your creative pursuit. I just wanted to kind of move on up and get a better job. I probably at that time wanted to try to work for a place like the New York Times. So the idea that I got sent from Rolling Stone to Us Magazine was not necessarily good news. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, yeah. but what to do while you're there. They paid very well. Um, I loved the people I worked with. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, I will admit, until it wasn't fun. And then uh, and then I would move on. One more thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what instigated... Okay, so before I ask that question, actually, so you went to be a breakfast cook on the Upper West Side. Can I it, ask where well, and how were the pancakes? <laughs> I don't remember. I did it for one week. Um, no, so I <laughs> cooked, right. I cooked this. Right. That was really early on. So basically, I got there. I cooked. Um, I did sort of strange research jobs. I did uh, ghostwriting jobs. I tried writing a historical uh, romance, sort of a Rosemary Rogers mm, epic, sex-filled nice. whatever. And that was that was difficult. Um, my co-writer would lock me in a room with a bottle of wine and say, just go at it and write the dirty bits. And yeah, it never sold. The editor started laughing and said the writing was fine, but you have to take these things seriously or people don't, you know. Right. Anyway, so so much for writing a dirty novel. Um, and then I ended up working in magazines and then I worked for Michael Douglas. And then when I left New York because... Um, why did I leave? I had somebody who would leave with me. I was tired out and I just wanted to get out of there. And I came to Montana and there I worked as an editor and did more ghost, ghost writing, you know, for people, a variety of people. Where, where were you getting the ghost writing gigs in Montana from locals there or? Um, I got of? them because for a while I worked as an editor. I ran a, a small press mm -hmm. um, and friends of friends. Um, you know, I don't know. I, it would be, it was everybody from Peter Fonda, who did a lot of his own writing, to, um, God, an oncologist, you know, a politician. I don't really remember how it all happened. Yeah. Um, the A-type guys who hire you to do something like that inevitably want you to think that they're going to write the best thriller ever, truly believe that if they are good in their chosen calling, say, being an oncologist, that they then can be, you know, Ludlum or whatever kind of crud writer they want to be. And it's just, uh, they, they're bad. They're really bad. And, and their course, sex scenes are very bad. They're just awful. And of so, course, an oncologist is coming into it with a God complex to begin with. A God complex. A yeah, God exactly. complex. Oh. And a politician, imagine, you know, so, yeah. but it paid I had children by then, you know, yeah. I wanted to stay in Montana. The press had gone out of business um, when the press was called Clark City Press. And we put out about 30 books and I go back and forth to New York and it was great. I really enjoyed doing that. 
Um, oh, this is not a, that's not a side hustle. That's, that's right down. That was really. I thought I would just be. I wanted to be an editor, so that was it. I moved to Montana. I had an editing job. I was editing. It was when it went out of business that mm -hmm. I started writing. Really started writing just to try to make some money. Um, I find it so interesting when when the the main career path and, and we we're going to call, we're gonna call <laughs> what is writer. that? We're going to call you right. writer. <laughs> <laughs> The main career path of the writer, umbrella of writer, suddenly becomes or or interweaves with with the side job to support. Like, yes, yeah. you're writing, but this is not what you were thinking, and therefore you're doing it for the money, even though it's still technically writing. This is, you know, this job yeah. is a side hustle, whereas this writing job is the career. Right. Basically, it's doing whatever you have to do to get through. I think. I don't know. Um, I think I also. Do that. You, I call it whoring. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fair. I mean, I'll do research. I'll do whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, I always was writing. I mean, I always yeah. did want to write, but I might not have wanted to admit it. Um, I loved the editing job, you know, and I might have just kept doing that. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Well, then I think it's good that it went out of business because your writing your books are awesome um so i'm glad that you had to write well but money you know money is good I know. Uh, but yeah. money but i did a lot of scripts in there too and that i did that for money yeah but they were fun you know it is honestly fun to write a script even if you agree uh, i love dialogue it's all kind of a learning process. Does that sound really namby-pamby? But it is. No. You learn something from all of it. So absolutely. And and also I think um well, I don't know. I don't know. I think so for us as as writers and actors, um even non-paid acting gigs are like some of the best work and some of the most fun that I have, but the money, you know, for me, like it's, I don't make money acting, but I, I still am like, yeah, I'm an actor. I'm going to go do somebody's pilot reading, you know, and that's like great. And you really bring it and it's so much fun, but the money, there's no money in acting. No, 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 no. You got to keep moving. <laughs> you gotta keep yeah. Finding yeah. ways to make money to support being able to do this pastime. Yeah. Well, I just imagine if like you know Wall Street guys had to like cook breakfast or 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 nanny or or ghostwrite in order to support their passion on Wall Street. Oh, right. Being a right. finance guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My day job, I'm an oncologist, but I lately <laughs> at night I've been I've been cobbling it together. A <laughs> couple yeah. other things. Got a few a few irons in the in the oncology fire. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, so point. you did say actually. Speaking of nannying, that you uh, that that you didn't now nannying was back in New York. Nannying was for the uh, the man who was um, the consulting editor to Vanity Fair and the New York Times. Also had me work as a nanny. Isn't that I was working special? for four bucks an hour. Yeah, it was really special. He was he was in many ways a wonderful guy, but he truly believed you had to earn your way up. And I was supposed to, I wanted to get out of cooking and I wanted to get into magazines. And so he he pretty much he really used me. I mean, he I did four dollars an hour, yeah. Everything. Well, this was a long time ago, but um some of it was interesting. I met a lot of great writers and did strange research tasks for them. Um I think I so mentioned there's a famous uh 
a really great political writer named Richard Ben Kramer, who was a joy, who actually found an apartment for me at some point. But for him, he was writing a a book on the rich of New York or an article for Rolling Stone, I guess it was. Uh, and I remember he had me um, time how long it took a Volkswagen to be towed on 58th Street versus how long it took a limo to be towed. Little research tasks like that. So it was not all suffering. I mean, yeah. it was silliness. It was fun. Well, and with any job like that, there's a lot of taking care of writers. Yeah, It was almost mm -hmm. like working for an agent in the sense, it was very loose. Um, we worked up in an office between Barry Diller and James Brooks on wow. 57th wow. Street, which was sort of odd to be around while they're casting stuff, while they're doing whatever. And, and the, you know, I, I specialized in being around difficult people for some time. It seemed like, you know, Make, some of the people, John Winner, Giorgio DeLuca, I don't know. They're enjoyable in a way. Yeah. I've told this story before, but I had a friend who was out of town, but she had a job where she, it's interesting how she got this line of work. Um, she, well, first she was one of the women um, on a millionaire's dating site and she would be paid in bonuses <laughs> and like gift cards just for going on dates with rich men, potential uh -huh. husbands. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, and she would, you know, get offered these odd jobs. And I was like, I went on one more odd job for her. It was a man in Malibu. He was an art dealer and he needed someone to answer his phones for the day. And she had already committed to another one of these odd jobs. And I was like, sure, I'll go do it. And when I got there, he looked at me and he was like, oh, this isn't going to work. And I was like, what? And he's like, no, you're not going to work. And he called my friend. He's like, she's not going to work. You have to send somebody else. And I was like, what's not going to work? And I mean, I was dressed professionally. I wasn't, you know, I didn't mm -hmm. show up in a bikini and maybe I should have. Maybe that was the problem. I mean, maybe that was a problem. I was supposed to be answering phones out of his home office. It was right. so strange. He paid me. Cause he's like, I know you used to gas money. So he paid me, but he sent me on my way. He said I wouldn't work out for him. And I was like, Oh, you never knew why I never knew why she never told me. She's like, he's just finicky. I was like, I thought I was answering phones. Is it my accent? So I still don't know the underlying. Thing, I don't think I have you have a Michigan accent. Still. I don't really think I do either. <laughs> well, she might have been, she might have showed up drunk and then it comes out. Yeah. Listen, yeah. people, well, yeah. I know what yeah. was going on. I'm just not saying it on the air right now. Let's talk about it. Wait, yeah. the, this she was sending me in as a prostitute. She was prostituting yeah. me, wasn't yeah. she? Do we all think yeah. she was prostituting I me? I do. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. And I know that that. Yeah, there were times like go meet so and so at the airport. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, this is not, we're not, yeah, we're not doing it. Okay. Now, Jamie Harrison, when you were cleaning houses, was yeah. it a similar, like you're being sent in as a prostitute, but you end up cleaning the house <laughs> type no, situation? Or? No, no, I was working for a crew of women who did a lot of amphetamines and moved at lightning speed. Oh, yeah. That's how I like my house cleaning. Too. Now, there was no. <laughs> No sexual connotations in that one. That was <laughs> well. I want to tell you both that the woman that I was friends with was ten years older than me, and I was like twenty-four. But I also at twenty-four, being from Michigan, I, I really believe this. Maybe not today, but then I looked twelve compared to people in LA. Like I still looked like. Did you? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I looked like a very young child, uh -huh. and I was auditioning uh -huh. for playing roles of fourteen-year-olds at twenty-four. So I think would they see would see me, and I didn't know she was sending me for these reasons. I really didn't, you guys. This is probably why she left town and never spoke to me again. But um, a child has shown up, and they're like, "Yeah, was no, your this last name Maxwell?" 
Never mind. <laughs> I know, right? No. Listen, uh, as so much as as much as you'd like to defend the uh, the Johns, <laughs> I'm I'm honestly more interested in this whole amphetamine maid situation. No, 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 that was no fun at all. That was no, fun. <laughs> no of course no. not. I when I listen, I I occasionally have to clean our house, and and I I, I save my amphetamines for better situations than that. There I, are I, so I, many I, squirrely I, things that happen during caterings, though. You know, I mean, depending yeah. on what situation you I walk into and the size of the job. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, sudden, can you clean this room? Can you clean this right. bathroom? Can you make him come out of a bedroom? You know, if it's oh, so right. can you make sure I think this person is ODing? You know, just weird yeah. shit did you, happens did you, all the time. Did you have to save someone from an OD? Not from an OD. I had to go in and see if they were breathing. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so, no. No. I just made people. You know, there are all sorts of. I don't know. I felt fairly jaded by the time I was twenty-five, but yeah. I, I really wasn't. You know, there, I was. I was innocent. Well, right. it sounds like you're a character in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Maybe. Well, the thing you have yeah. to, people might not know, so half the listeners might know, half might not, but the thing that happens when somebody ODs is that if everybody else is on drugs, nobody wants to take care of that person. So they no. find like the sober person, which was me in college. And they're like, yeah. uh, that person's foaming at the mouth. Can somebody right. do something? And it's like, you're responsible for 911 for going, oh yeah. shit. They find that like everybody's on drugs. So they're just like, oh shit, in somebody's the case sober. In the case of the comedian's wife, she did, yeah, she was having trouble breathing. She was vomiting. She was choking. She was everything uh -huh. by the time I got her in a cab. Yeah. It's not that different than college, though, if you think about it. It's not. It's not. So, <laughs> so, we've all been there. Right? Yeah, we've all been there. Yep. So, yeah. Well, like I said, 50% of our test. listeners, probably 50% that, but enough. <laughs> You have a very high esteem of the people who listen to this show. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I almost became a prostitute, I just realized, in this conversation. So let's talk about not that. No, that would never have happened. But listen, I am pro-sex workers having unions and it being legalized. I just don't want to be a sex worker. And especially not walking into a place not knowing that I was like sent to answer phones and also prostitute. Yeah, you don't want to get turned out. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, let's, let's put some parameters around this. Yeah. Um, We're a sex positive show. Okay. This is certainly just, not anti. Go on. Yeah. Yes. We're just, I feel like this is getting weird and edited. I'm just kidding. I'm okay. Kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. So let's talk about Montana. You get to Montana. That was the uh, the Michigan accent. So yep, <laughs> we're going to talk yep. about Montana. <laughs> well, I just got I, it's because I was coming in from laughter and having a good time. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about Montana. The joy brings out the Michigan. For one second, it's such a it's such an interesting place to end up, in my opinion, because from New York to Montana, I've had dreams about going to Montana. And he's like, no. literal dreams or like fantasies? Fantasy, and okay. you're like, no. no. But I there you go from. Michigan, U of M, Ann Arbor, New York City, you're in it, you're living that, you know, 24-7 uh, life, it is fast, it is hard, you are, you're doing the grind, and you end up in Montana, running a press, and you stay. Well, 
I came to a part of Montana that had a lot of uh, refugees in it. It's a very pretty part. It's Livingston, mm -hmm. Montana. It's an hour north of Yellowstone Park. And um, I came out because um, we had a lot of family friends out here. My father was a writer, Jim Harrison. And there were many writers out here, a lot of people I'd known growing up. It wasn't um, really, and it isn't really an average small town. There's still a lot of actors here, um, a lot of artists. And yeah, one of the, uh, there was a painter out here and he wanted to start a press. Wow. So I did that. There were mm -hmm. actors out here and that's why uh, Peter Fonda was essentially sort of a family friend. And that's how I ended up on that book. Also, um, his editor was my editor for the mysteries, so I had no choice. That's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, you know, and he was in many ways a lovely man, but I wanted to kill him regularly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the press, you can do things even out of Montana. We, you know, I'd fly back and forth to New York, um, worked with some great people, put out some good books. Um, and the other things that you, you can write screenplays anywhere, right? You can write screenplays anywhere. Yeah. You can write right. books anywhere. Um, right. All you needed was a fax machine. Now it's yes, email. You did. It took yes, me a minute. Did. I'm looking yes, at you. Yes. <laughs> no, no, we remember them. Yes. <laughs> they were fun. Everyone on this call knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's, it's funny when I first, when we were first in LA and um, not together, but we came around within five years of each other. But, um, you were still getting sides like you had to go pick up sides for an audition like even though we had email and every we had internet email i had email i guess so but you didn't know one had scanners when right did, that's what yeah, i'm saying so when did emails emails that's like 1998 right yeah it's, so no yeah. i i started in so i know i had email my first email address was in 96. Okay. Yeah, my first email was in 90. No, when I got to, yeah, when I got to college, I had okay, my first Okay, so it was earlier. Class. I just literally yeah. can't remember. I remember when there were the <clears throat> drum fax machines. Yeah. Huge ones mm -hmm. back when yeah. I worked Thermal for Douglas. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. What a nightmare. Yeah, but it was, it's, you know, for, um, uh, I don't know, for business, it's a real slow process to turn things over. Like, <clears throat> I was out here right after college. So it was like 2001, 2002. And um, yeah, you still had to go pick up sides. Nobody was going to email them to you. Nobody was going to fax them to you. you. You know, it was like you had to go pick up your stuff. You had to hand deliver um, headshots there. Even though they were online using actors access or whatever, you still had to go carry it over in a manila envelope and leave it in someone's sure. office. And Hollywood is so spread out and everything's in your car. It's not like New York where you're, you know, walking or jumping on the subway. You're running. Yeah. You are <laughs> running. You are like, oh, there are hours to drop things off is between one and two. You have a full-time job or a side hustle. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. It is so much easier now. And it, and it, I just don't even understand why it took so long to get easy. Even you audition now and submit everything now over <clears throat> from home. You don't even mm -hmm. go into a casting office anymore. Well, it's all been replaced with other difficulties. Yes. I, I definitely feel like we're living in a zero sum game. And uh, yeah, it'll, it'll never, as soon as, as soon as, and, and the, the same thing happens in any job, by the way, if you work in an office in corporate America and you are, you either given or discover or create a tool that makes you more efficient in whatever it is you do immediately, instantaneously, the demand from you 
is increased so that sure. you're you never it's not like you're you're more efficient so you work less right you're just expected to have more output i think also it's fair to say that anybody who has um I know that if I had stuck with certain things in New York, I would be making a better living now still. Sure. Uh, but they were so boring. They right. were so very boring. I mean, that's why I said I feel like a dilettante. I mean, yeah. so many of the things we do were completely unnecessary. We could yeah. have just stuck with something, right? I walked away from the six-figure <laughs> job running a big firm so I could you know, tell jokes on a cruise ship. Right, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> Listen, I I wrote a book about you know an uh, investigative reporter, and I literally want to open a detective agency. It would be a Jamie. big step backwards. And yeah, you, no, we should right. do that, Jamie and Jamie. That's good. I mean, I think yeah. it would be great. And then we just all we do is not solve crimes, but like put out plays and. Well, screens. I think your angle for this, Screen. if Scripts. I may, your angle for your detective agency <laughs> is that you are writers and like you just buy all into the murder she wrote theme of things. Yeah. I have to say, though, I'm writing another mystery now, and um, the technological advances in being a private investigator right now mm-hmm. are a little beyond me. This is requiring some research. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> where like, the team. I thought of maybe like dating it back about that, twenty years. <laughs> that's where the team up happens. You've got okay. you've got the old pro and the old uh-huh. ways, and you've got yeah. you've got the technical savvy, and you just savvy put it all together. Jamie, yep, okay. I. Speaking of technical uh, savvy, um, one more job you mentioned you did is that you were a technical editor oh, on biological God. and archaeological reports. I did. I did that for the insurance and the money, and it was definitely worth it. And it was sort of, um, it was interesting. It was fairly painstaking. It was for a company out of California. Mm-hmm. They had an office near here so that the owner could fly fish. Um, huh. <laughs> you never know why people come to Montana. Maybe you saw um, runs through it. But it was uh, anytime any work is done in California by, say, Pacific Gas and Electric, which yeah. hires consulting firms like this company I worked for, they have to do monitoring, you know, for Indian artifacts, right. uh, for Native American artifacts. They have to make sure that they're not killing any yellow footed foothill frogs. Mm-hmm. They have to do this and that. So yeah, I worked on edited stuff, say on the Owens Valley, you know, the mitigation and the whole history thing, rewrote the history passage about how that whole um, tragedy came to be. Um, I can tell you that the Apple campus is an Indian graveyard. Wow. Period. (laughs) So whatever happens there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I know more about shell mounds than most people now. I know. Um, a fair amount of archaeology of California. I find it deeply disturbing. Species. I find it deeply disturbing that 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 the Apple campus is is effectively, you know, the incar- the incarnation of pet cemetery. But in all of California is because it was such a rich, beautiful place. So all the coast you're sitting on one right now, wherever you are in LA, mm-hmm. it just all got bulldozed, you know, or planted. It's inevitable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um it was a good place to live. But I suppose Manhattan is too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm sure it is. And um, I imagine that there's some really, yeah. I mean, there they have really fascinating archaeology. But yeah, it was so, it was a, it was a job. It was good. 
I learned to be a little more exacting or a little certainly more careful um, because they also did a lot of government, you know, reports and you couldn't screw up. So right kind of reading. Interesting. You know, um, there's always these jobs and I always think of them as side hustle jobs, like the technical writer, white papers, um, all these little side hustles that you can do that are always posted about. Mm-hmm. But I think like you really, you're not getting paid for the research of educating yourself on how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you took a lot of time to figure out how to be a technical writer. Were, were you reading uh, papers? No. I had a real slow learning curve. I really didn't understand what I was supposed to be doing. I really didn't even know how to check the references, you know, by the time I left, I think I did a fairly good job of it, but they were pretty patient. Um, I was though good at seeing errors or catching anomalies in the paper for whatever reason. And because I'd done a lot of editing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can, some people can look at a page and you suddenly think what's wrong with this picture. And you can catch little glitches. Would you Uh, do that again? Would you be a technical writer again? Sure. I would if I need to. Yeah. Yes. You mean pending the next screenplay? Yes. Uh Yeah. yeah. The the motto of the... the (laughs) I'm an optimist. Yeah. Uh Uh Of course. I mean, I love doing the research and development. I I love... I don't know. I think a lot of writers, which I think lends itself to being a a good technical writer is... um, just research. Research is so... Well, and I wasn't, I mean, they had PhDs writing these things. I was the one going through and making sure that their data was fine, that everything was fine, that we actually, that they'd proved their point, especially if it was something about an endangered species Mm -hmm. and not fucking around with it, you know? So crazy. Yeah. I I have a question. It's more of a general question. Um, you know, I, I, as an actor, as a, you know, artist, have this lifelong fantasy of achieving a certain degree of success where I never have to do anything else ever again. Um, and over time, as I've gotten older and done more things and had the opportunity to do a little of what I enjoy, I realize that I feel more rounded and, and, uh, and grounded by everything, the the rich tapestry that's made up my life. My question for you is, you've had, you've definitely done all sorts of things and throughout have also been able to do that down the middle um, career, you know, right, uh, that career as a writer. Is the goal you know, today, would you, would you be totally satisfied to just be writing, um, you're writing books, you know, and screenplays going forward, or do you, do you enjoy, would you, would you like to continue to do all sorts of different things to, uh, no, I would love, I would love to just be able to write. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to be able to do my own research. I'd love to be able to have time to, uh, yeah. I'd just love to be able to write more. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe cook a little more you know i don't know i'd love to i'd like to there it is there's a little little, no but that's just daily that's just daily i mean like have time for life itself rather than always being behind on something yeah yeah, i would like that because a lot of these you know some of them were fun but i love writing so yeah yeah not have to worry about i love making up fibs yeah yeah it's also nice to not feel the pressure of having to um, 
report to somebody, even if it's sure. freelance, not having that, that pressure of, of constantly doing it right for someone else, but just to be able to do it right yeah. for yourself is just sometimes yeah. a nice break. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And to not be rushed, to do it right for yourself, to have enough time to sort of pause, uh, to listen to your editor and your agent, you know, just, just to be, to not put up with a lot of the stuff we all put up with. Yeah. I'd love that. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about your, um, this is your um, publishing birthday for the center of everything. A novel came out in September, 2020. No, actually, it came out. Um, in, they delayed it to um, January 2021. It came out a week after the insurrection and a week before the inauguration. Jesus. I cannot say that that's ideal, but it was a good idea at the time. Oh, mm. my God. Well, now the paperback is coming okay. out. The paperback, the paperback will, will be coming out, I think, in January. Yeah. I, yeah. I oh, promise no. not yeah. to raise any hell in January. <laughs> okay, thank you. No, yeah. we're going to no. promote the heck out of the paperback. If, if if you haven't gotten this book, it's awesome. I want to fly thank to Montana you. personally and have Jamie sign it. Um, I love it so much. But we're going to put links up to pre-order the paperback. We're going to put links up to um, the previous your previous books as well, which are thank great. Thank you. Um, we're going to put all your social media contacts up. Um, I love that you're at Widow Nash. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just, you know, at the time, why not? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's great. I think it's yeah. great um, <clears throat> and funny. Um, but what are you working on right now? I am working on another mystery because Counterpoint plans to reissue the, the previous four. So I've actually got yes. two in the works. One I'm having an special amount of trouble with that I put away for a while, and this one that I'm finishing up a rough draft on. Are these in so, the same series? Yeah, they're in the same series um, about, uh, well, he was a cop named Jules Clement. One of the things about going back to a series you wrote 20 years ago is it's, I just, he's no longer a cop. Yeah. Hard year to write about a cop. So it is, yeah. He's a private investigator now yeah. um, and an archaeologist. But it's fun to get back to it. That and I'm going to write a third sort of linked um, book to The Widow Nash and The Center of Everything, too. That's fantastic. So. Oh, that's so exciting. Okay, I'm super excited. And are you side hustling at all right now? I will be after I do the rough draft. I'm going to get some editing work. I'm not nice. sure what it will be. I've got a couple of things I'm working on, but yeah, it'll be fine. And I do side stuff. My father, like I said, was a writer. He's got a... He's dead now, but they're putting out a new book of um, essays, sort of posthumous essays. So I work on that stuff a little bit. Um, busy, you know? That's awesome. Thank you so much. This ain't no safe as in love.